everyone. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Chrissy and Charlie here. Hello. And today, um, so we're we're nearing the end of 2020. Yeah, thank goodness. Hoping for a better year in 2021. And at the beginning of last or this year, we went through our predictions for the year um, on the podcast. And we thought it'd be fun to go back and kind of look at those predictions and see if any of them are true um, or if, you know, maybe they're still predictions for the following year. So, um, yeah, today's just a casual chat to talk through that. Would love to kind of also hear your thoughts um, on what you think about these predictions and if they came true. So I know one thing we didn't predict. (laughs) (laughs) The big elephant in the room. Yeah. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone, Bill Gates predicted that, but that's about it. (laughs) So um, let's go through the first one. So um, I think one of the things, some of the predictions actually have kind of a theme to them, and Mm -hmm. I think people are still talking about them. But the first is marketers will start removing tools from a stack that don't demonstrate value. And I think this one actually is true. And partly even due to the effects of COVID and people's Mm -hmm. budgets being cut. So without even knowing that was coming, it was kind of the nail in the coffin for that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I've definitely, I feel like I definitely had more conversations this year with clients about what they don't need in terms of their stack. I would say, I mean, it's hard sometimes to completely remove tools. So there's probably more conversations on what we need versus what we don't need that we, in the current stack um, compared to what they actually like got rid of. But I know from several of the clients that I've spoken to, some are planning to drop, mm-hmm. I'm not, I won't say what, but some are planning to drop um, some less used tools in their stack going into next year. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, COVID definitely played a part in in probably making this one become more true than maybe it would have been otherwise. Um, but the other side of this is that there, um, I feel like a lot of companies have added quite a lot to their stack. Mm. Um, but the, the important part of what the prediction was, was removing tools from their stack that um, are not able to really demonstrate value. Yeah. So it was all about shiny object syndrome, you know, that over the last probably decade everyone's just been accumulating tool after tool after tool and now it's starting to get to the point where we're maxed out the team can't support all of those tools and and we have to really choose which ones are making the most amount of value and i feel like that is that probably is another prediction i would would say for next year even that Mm -hmm. that that trend may progress yeah i think the biggest thing is there people were starting to realize like how much how much like people you know how many people need to support these tools and that's an an added investment that i think a lot of people didn't think about so definitely more scrutinizing um none of these tools have got ai down yet they just (laughs) kind of do everything themselves you know and that that's not our prediction for next year (laughs) (laughs) okay so the next one companies will get serious about data quality across the systems Mm -hmm. um and i think this and I think definitely holding true. I think probably still, probably, still yeah. a prediction maybe for 2021. Um, and 
you know, it's gathering steam. That one It's gathering steam. Yeah. I think, uh, yesterday I posted about data actually on LinkedIn and how important it is and talked about the data superheroes, um, newsletter from Syncery and a lot of great people who supported their, um, interviews there. And I was one of them, but I think the big thing for data is people are realizing, especially as everything's digital now, that it's so important to um, make sure that the customer experience is backed by that data effectively. So how do we make our customer experience more personalized, more engaging? Um, because the digital channels are really the only things we can really rely on right now. So the thing that's going to make that most engaging is, um, the data behind it, you know, before we could just find, you know, our prospects at events or, you know, create these ultra like, you know, curated experiences, um, in person, which is a little bit easier than when you're trying to do that from a digital standpoint, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a reason why, you know, Syncery's come onto the scene has been doing pretty well and, um, and other, other companies like them really doubling down on improving data. And I think I've definitely had a lot more more conversations and hearing a lot more from people who they're starting to get a bit sick of everyone coming into the meeting with a different number. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the big thing. Sales are coming in, customer success, marketing, SDR, finance, and they all spend the, uh, the two hour long meeting where they're meant to be making decisions, just talking about which number's right, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, trying to get that single source of truth, if that could ever really be, you know, something that everyone's going to rally around. But still, I think there's definitely been a, an increased focus. So like yeah. in terms of the projects that we've been working on for clients, that there, there have been more data quality, um, of data projects around data quality than I would say in previous years, people are taking it more seriously. But there's still still a bit of a way to go, I think. Yeah, totally. And I think on the data note, the other part of that actually is the integration issues in 2020. I feel like that's probably been more than data, right? Right. People yeah. Are investing more in tools that are going to really integrate the data across all of their systems. Definitely. As opposed to like fixing the quality of the data. Exactly. Maybe. Totally. Exactly. I think I I mentioned that in my post yesterday. It's it's less about cleanliness. I think people, it's more about like reducing those silos, Mm -hmm. right? Different air, like, you know, not getting data into the right system, not having a a central um, place of truth for your data. Um, And a a key part of that is like where there's lacking integrations to get that data into one place. So Mm -hmm. definitely, I think that's a bigger priority. So the next one, companies um, still misusing contact data will stop or pay the consequences. I think the pay the consequences was a a good prediction because I think a a lot of people who were misusing are really seeing their deliverability just like. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think more than ever, and I think that's because also with working from home, all enterprises had to really step up their security game, right? So now everyone's feeling it. Like, why are my emails not making it um, into my prospects, um, you know, inbox? And, you know, if and you- there's probably been more email because more it's email. the primary channel. Phone number 
might not be working because it was an office phone number. Yeah. So, so you're you're fighting in the inbox more, and um and you're right. Yeah, there's there's been definitely a trend. I would say where people have. I don't know. It's it would be hard to quantify and really say whether deliverability has got worse this year, but there's been more. Definitely a more of a focus on fixing it, even if it's been bad, not great for a while. Yeah. And yeah, it could be, it's kind of like both situations yeah. because there's probably more scrutinous eye on it because it's a channel you rely on. Um, and also at the same time, there's just more tools that are impacting your deliverability that are, are weak points, right? With you know, outreach and sales loft are, are great tools for your sales team. But you have to remember these people are sending emails from your company domain. So that plays a huge impact on your reputation because you're also sending email from, you know, your marketing automation platform. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, it could be easily abused without some governance on totally. those tools. It's like the wild, wild west uh, in some of those tools. And if you're in marketing, I would definitely zero in on that and see how that tool is being used, especially if your team doesn't own it, because that can truly affect the deliverability. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And, and just the general perception of your brand, right? Especially because yeah. a lot of time you're not including unsubscribe links and the salespeople can be a bit rogue in some situations. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, for sure. Double check that. I think the, uh, the other part of this was, um, um, it being related to the customer experience. And I think back to the the situation with COVID this year, a lot of there was a lot of pushback and anger mm -hmm. with all of the emails about COVID at the beginning, right? Like <laughs> yeah. because you'd get I I wasn't too upset by it, but like there were I just saw a lot of stuff on LinkedIn and people getting angry because they were getting so many emails from companies that maybe they'd engaged with, you know, years and years and years ago. So that kind of plays into both the data quality and misusing contact data because you know some companies I think probably used it as an opportunity to remind you use COVID as an opportunity remind to remind you like we're still here you know yeah uh, like we're gonna offer our product for free we're gonna do this which is which is great but like if if that if you if you you're an old lead that they acquired somewhere years ago and you're sending that email I think people got a bit upset by that. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether they really paid consequences on that, but yeah, I think it definitely damaged some some brands a little bit. In the, in, but uh, yeah, I, probably because I'm seeing this on LinkedIn, who knows if it actually was like <laughs> a bigger thing. People complain about a lot on LinkedIn. I think this um, is still one though, will continue to like, I think people are, yeah. Well, the still, whole acquiring data, I yeah. think definitely you know, five years ago, that was, I think people did a lot more than now. Right. Yes, definitely. So, definitely. yeah. Uh, and I mean, when when I say acquiring data, I also, just the caveat, it's acquiring data and then, you know, mass emailing them, right? Spreading I think them. acquiring data with ABM is still pretty popular. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I definitely work with a lot of companies now that say, okay, yeah, we're getting all this data from Zoom Info or wherever, um, but for all of our target accounts, but we're not going to put them into, you know, marketing emails, marketing nurtures or anything, we're gonna have like very targeted sales out outreach. Yeah, unless which they, is fine. Yeah, unless they engage or something. So. Yeah, totally. So the pendulum will shift back from being, from marketing being overly data driven. What do you think? I think- Data driven in terms of- Oh, yeah. Like 
the using having to have a metric or report for like everything to judge success and to make decisions instead of like maybe trying new things and you know being a bit more loose yeah. with some of the brand marketing or content marketing i think this one for sure um and one of my favorite uh blog posts that i read this year was um by Rand fishkin about implied attribution and i think that further proves that like marketers are starting to realize that you shouldn't just shy away from channels that you can't report on a hundred percent the attribution there is implied attribution you can do looking into google analytics and i think a, a key part to that is um around the whole focus around like building your brand which mm -hmm. we'll talk about for some of our other um predictions that we had but um also just having a, a different goal a revenue goal rather than a lead goal and so I think some of the marketers are maybe still measured on that or maybe left, you know, still data driven when it comes to like numbers, you get tied in the volume numbers, volume metrics, rather than just um, focus on your main goal of revenue where doing channels that maybe have some implied attribution um, will still, you'll still invest in them. You'll still do them because you know it will help mm -hmm. um, your revenue number in the end. And the and one of the problems of being too data driven is that you'll never try anything new. Yeah. Because if you if you always have to say, I want to have seen a past performance that will tell me whether this will be successful or not, if you haven't done it in the past, yeah. then you, you don't have a data point to work with. So therefore you're just gonna be holding yourself back. And I've seen a few creative things recently, like, you know, I don't know if you saw Gong's videos that they've been releasing every day this week. Yeah. Kind of like Christmas videos. Mm -hmm. I saw Lessonly, like starting a clothing brand um, or like a clothing store, which are very much like, I, I don't know, like how much data, I don't know, like kind of the behind the scenes there, but it, I'm sure that is them coming up with an idea, mm -hmm. which probably doesn't have a ton of like historical data that, to back up like exactly like the pipeline they're going to get from that. There's more of a brand play. It's a different play that are really getting people talking about them and is going to, I'm sure, you know, deliver revenue somehow. Mm -hmm. But it might be a bit harder to really report on that. Um, and But it's not holding them back, right? Yeah. And I I think that taking those risks is like what B2B marketing needs. It's totally. Like, that could be a reason why everyone's just doing the same thing still. This one's a <laughs> I feel like we've talked about MQLs enough on this podcast, but we did say that MQLs as a measurement will finally die. And this is interesting because in some ways, yes, but in other ways, no. Well, this year, we've definitely kind of been back and forth with our <laughs> thoughts on MQLs. But, but the, main, the important thing here, yeah. you, you go. The main thing is that as a measurement of success or the official measurement of right. success, because like we said, MQLs are good to measure, but when it comes down to really making decisions or having the whole marketing team focused on a single metric, it's still revenue that should be it. And I think that that's happening now, kind of, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely think that in the last year there's been a lot of active um hate on mqls on linkedin which probably then was the reason why we kind of reacted a bit to that and was like whoa okay don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. there's still some value to an mql 
Of course, report on revenue, that should be your primary metric. But there is some value on, on MQL. And if you want to hear our thoughts on that, go watch another video because I can't be bothered to go through <laughs> into all of the different nuances there. But we have a whole video on why our minds change a little bit on MQLs. But um, but I think, yes, I think the, the conversation is active there. Right? Yeah. So a lot of videos, a lot of comments, a lot of posts, a lot of talk about it. So I think that one, that one's on its way. Revenue ops will continue to, this is the next one. Revenue ops will continue to gather steam, but most companies will still have mops and socks and separate teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is, this is true. And I think a I lot feel of- I like we need to do a whole video on, on our thoughts on revenue ops actually. Yeah, I think that should be a new uh, upcoming podcast because I do have a lot of like hot takes on it that I think maybe people don't agree with. But I do think that, you know, revenue ops, although I love the term and I, I think that some teams can really nail it. I think even when you do have that team, you do see that there's kind of a mop side and a stop side. And then they kind of like, you know, have dotted lines back to those two groups. And a lot of the people are still seeing that keeping them separate is effective because those teams have As long as there's a lot of alignment, right? Yeah, as long as there's a lot of alignment. And I think that's the main thing. You don't have to be in the same team to have alignment. Um, if anything, all of the function between sales and marketing should have alignment. Totally. Yeah. And so that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have to, you don't have to be all reporting into the same, same structure yeah. to still get the benefits of alignment. And there are negatives to all being in the same structure because your priorities are only being set based mm -hmm. on one agenda. And if marketing ops still needs to help the marketing team, right? So, and if, if it's just helping the revenue team, you can end up being, yes, you're all going to hopefully be tied more to things that are impacting revenue. Um, and, and that might be a great thing. But there's still this day-to-day -day execution that you have to do for marketing. Yeah. So you have to, you can't lose that alignment with marketing by being too aligned with sales ops. So there's there's pros and cons. And I, I think it we probably will eventually get to a revenue ops model where everyone does report into, into revenue ops. But I think they you just need to remember that the two SOPs and MOPs are do have a lot of overlap, but they do also have Mm -hmm. Some areas where they need to kind of focus on the sales side and the, on the marketing side ex exclusively. Yeah. Um, demand marketers will ditch the addiction of paying for leads and focus more on brands. So we kind of talked about this a little bit yeah. in one of the other predictions, right? I don't, and I think uh, the, this will continue for 2021. I think um, as companies see maybe other companies be effective at doing it. And they'll realize that it's, it actually is a competitive advantage to to do that. And when you see like when budgets are getting cut, you I mean, a really good thing you can do is just focus on building your brand and trying to increase all of that organic traffic, um, you know, to to you and word of mouth and everything. So definitely I think that will continue. I hope. Yeah. Um. And then the last one, companies will continue to pull down the gates. And I think, this is what I mean. I think all of these are kind of aligned in where I think things are going, you know, forward thinking. Marketers <laughs> are, are doing this. But part of that brand is also, if you do have a strong brand, you want to get your content out there to your prospects. You think about the customer experience. You having to fill out a form just to read something is 
not a great experience for them. And if anything, everyone's doing their research kind of on their own. Think about like when you just even buy anything, you're not really like wanting to talk to anyone yet. You want to kind of gather all your information. And then when you're ready to talk to someone, you'll fill out a form. And if anything, if you double down on your brand um, and then your great content, it doesn't need to be long form content. So someone feels like it's okay to give their email address on a form. Really think about what's the type of content that people actually want to ingest. Like, what do they have time to? What are they actually going to engage with? And then they build trust in your brand, understand what you do. And if they are ready, they'll fill out a form. And think about the conversion rate on a demo request or a free trial or something like that is so much higher than just someone who downloaded a white paper. So if anything, you're going to have a great conversion rate. Um, yeah, and th there's places where forms make sense, right? For events. Yeah, for events. A, dem a demo request. Newsletter. A contact us. Create a newsletter subscription. Like that's just one kind of thing. Because I think people are like, well, what if they don't fill out? What if they don't want to do a demo? And I still want to be able to like nurture them. It's like, you know, and we talk about email deliverability and people make things harder for themselves. Oh, I have to do these batch and blasts all the time with new content. If you just actually have maybe a newsletter or a great kind of like nurture when someone signs up for that, your content can live on. You can keep repurposing. You have like your one thing where they can choose their own adventure. That's such a great experience for people that they're kind of used to from a B2C standpoint. Mm -hmm. And B2B marketers can actually maybe do more or get more of a result with even less. So they can focus on doing more great content and brand and everything. Yeah, I mean, I had a, a classic experience where I was, I I won't mention the company name, but they're, they're not that well known, but I think if you're in SOPs, MOPs, you probably have heard of them. And they have um, a, you know, pr a pretty, specific product but i think it's valuable and it's probably quite an easy thing to sell but anyway so the i was so i've obviously heard of them i'm on linkedin i see an ad from them and they've got kind of like a uh an interesting brand so i clicked on their on the link to go to the piece of content because it I, I can't remember what it was about but it somehow resonated with me and i just see a form yeah and i just bounced straight away and I, and I think that, cause I'm not, I, cause I know that I'm gonna fill out that form. I'm gonna get all these emails. I'm gonna have to unsubscribe, mm -hmm. right? And, it, and it's gonna be annoying. But, and now, and then I kind of forgot about them. Mm -hmm. But who knows, maybe if I had clicked that link, I just got the content. Mm -hmm. I would have read the content. I would have created some kind of like, got some brand affinity with that brand now because I, I liked their content. I learned something. Therefore, I'm more likely to go back to their website. Maybe if I wanna learn something again, Go back again. Maybe I might start following some of their people on LinkedIn to try mm -hmm. and get their content. Maybe I might start listening to their podcast. Do you know what I mean? Like, eh, but that initial thing bounce, and I haven't thought about them since. Yeah. And and that, and that's the problem. The whole point of content is to create a relationship with people, like mm -hmm. teach them something, get them to enjoy your brand, learn something from your company. It's not to just get their contact information. Yeah, well, right. you it need... used to be. No, no, that used to the, be the play, But it shouldn't, right? but it it shouldn't, shouldn't be, be now. And it shouldn't be, right? Yeah, but I think that's the problem where it's like that was the play for lead acquisition. And I think we're seeing that like that just like doesn't work anymore. But you can have a secondary call to action. You can like 
serve up the content. I, you know, I had a client work on this and a whole kind of page for paid, but at the bottom, there's still a secondary call to action if they're interested and want to learn more. So if, if, if your marketers are afraid, well, they're not, what are they going to do after that? Or maybe I do want to capture the information, but do it in a place where like, they're electing to, you know, it, it, that's going to be a great conversion that you get, but you still get that brand affinity and they're download, they're able to view the content they want. Exactly. This so, one, I think you were passionate about because just, it just is a prediction and it's not really, I think it'll resonate, but I think we definitely need some time to like, see yeah, that Yeah, maybe we'll do a whole podcast on that one. Yeah. All right. Well, we're out of time, um, but it, I think for the most part, all of those were pretty accurate. So, you know, that's good. But definitely some of these we'll see to continue for 2021. But I think we'll do another podcast for our predictions for 2021. So, um, yep. but yeah, we'd love to get your take. So hit us up on LinkedIn um, or, you know, message us and we'll see you all on the next episode of Forward Thinking. See ya. This is Charlie, so if you like what you heard, hit like on the platform where you watch this. Also, leave a review. Honestly, we'd really, really appreciate it. You can also subscribe where you listen to your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or even YouTube. And make sure you subscribe to our newsletter, which is packed full of exclusive content, updates for events or courses that we might be doing, all designed to elevate your marketing operations and B2B. See you next time on Forward and Forward is Off.